Okay, hello friends. Welcome back to Art Nerds. This is the place where we get to talk to our nerdy friends about their art. And I am super excited today because I've got a new friend with me today who is amazingly talented, and this is Jess Schlipf. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm in good energy. <laughs> Yay! That's good. That's good. I met Jess, what, last semester? It was about not six months ago, eight yeah, months ago. Yeah, it was like September, August. Yeah. That, that was when the auditions for She Kills Monsters. Yeah, we did the show yeah. called She Kills Monsters, and... Uh, Jess is an amazing actor and, oh, pshaw. oh uh, trust me. <laughs> uh, but so I asked Jess on the show, asked what they wanted to talk about. So Jess, what is your art? Um, I am a drag king. <laughs> drag king. Yes. Okay. Now, first of all, let's start with the, the, the term. It's, we're so used to drag queen, yep. please. So a drag king is very similar to a drag queen in, in that a drag king puts on a uh, on a persona that is uh like it's 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 kind of hard to explain in like direct terms but essentially it's putting on a gender performance that resembles a man so a king as much as a drag queen puts on a gender performance that resembles a woman okay right um and so some people think it's like men dressing up as women or women dressing up as men is drag but it's so much more than that it's you know, because gender is an entire spectrum. Right. There are no rules. Right. So, so that was my next question. So mm -hmm. drag king just indicates the uh, the persona of the of what's being performed. Yeah. the The persona of masculinity is okay. really kind of what I can best describe it. Okay. So kind of um, uh, what's the term? Uh, gender showing or. Uh, it's essentially, it's like, it's specifically, like when a drag king calls himself a king, uh, it's typically their character is male, their character is a play on male expectations, oh, male, okay. right, right, right. Uh, mas like masculinity in whatever form that may be. So your character is, uh, fits that, that definition? Yes, okay. yes, because my character is a man. Spank okay. Knightley, that's my character, Spank Nightly with a K. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a genius name. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll talk about how I came up with that name in a minute. Um, but uh, <laughs> but essentially, Sp Spank Nightly is a man. I am playing a male character. Um, now, I, outside of drag, I identify as non-binary. I am non-binary. Mm -hmm. I'm they, them pronouns outside of drag. But Spank Nightly is he, him. And you'll find a lot of drag... Um, artists. Uh, you'll find a lot of men, uh, cis men who dress up as women, um, and their characters are women, but like outside they are, they identify as a man. Okay. Um, and then you'll find non-binary people being drag queens, and they, you know, may identify differently than that. Um, you can find a lot of trans men being queens. You can find a lot of um, so, uh, so uh, cis men being kings, you know, there really isn't a whole lot of so like. It doesn't really matter. The the performer doesn't matter what where you are on the gender spectrum. Just whatever you want to put on stage. Exactly. It's um. It really doesn't matter what gender it is, as long as your character. Uh, in fact, there really aren't many rules to drag as far as like what you have to do, what constant the only thing that makes it drag is that it is a play on gender. It is a gender performance. Not what well, play is kind of the wrong word, but if I can like 
summarize it, it's a gendered performance. Okay, that now that makes sense. Um, would exagger would the word exaggeration be applied to drag? In many ways, yes. Um, I mean, is that one of the rules, or is that just one of the commonalities? I think that it is a loose rule. When I say loose rule, sometimes people do an exaggeration, and it, in many ways, that's how we recognize it as drag, okay. um, and that's how we recognize the um, gendered performance. Best way that I can kind of describe it to other people is um, Dolly Parton. If you look at Dolly Parton, <laughs> she is a drag queen because in essence, she is also kind of, she her persona and her stage persona that she puts on is very exaggerated femme, and, right? And I would say very calculated to yeah, a Yeah, very calculated, exactly. And um, in, an, in the opposite direction, a, um, a masculine version of that would be WWE. Oh. Like professional wrestlers, right, 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 all right. of these characters that they have, in essence, that's what drag kings, that it's a gendered performance. Now, that's not to say that every king puts on a super, super gruff, tough, masculine type, right, but right. like it's a, it's a play on a certain masculinity. But it's so, uh, so in a, maybe another way to say it is the performer finds something interesting about uh, either the male or the female, the traditional male or female mm -hmm. um, presentation or character or stereotypes. Dare I say that? Mm -hmm. uh, that in that, many that ways, find... a lot of people have that. Okay, yes. so, but 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 basically, you as your character, you find something interesting about uh, the male world, uh, what's represented in the male world in the yeah. real world. So you. Absolutely. You play on that. And also as a tiny footnote, um, there are people who identify as like drag things or drag monsters in which their character <laughs> is non-binary, right? Um, and so their drag persona is non-binary. There are no rules to that. Um, right. they, the, the gender performance in itself is, <sighs> you know, kind of... Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's kind of fucking with like the... Yeah. <laughs> the sorry, I emphasized the F word there. No, that's um, fine. But, uh, this is but a, it's really this is just a like... It's, show. <laughs> and so they like to... they um, A lot of people who do um, more gender non-binary performances like to kind of play in between those lines and okay. rules. So is drag about gender or is it about performance or it's about both okay it's about both um and it's important to recognize that it's about both um because in many ways i think uh, sorry if i'm too far away uh in many ways it is um very liberating for a lot of people mm -hmm. uh depending on how you were raised and many of us like the history of it many of us grow up in a society where we can't we have to dress a certain way or present a certain you know have certain gendered expectations right. on us a lot, suppressed a lot of people and yeah. drag for the centuries that people have been like playing with gender and especially in like beginning 20th century to now um it's very much a play on the expectations of okay you know how we're supposed to dress and, and, and all that. Is that, and, is that part of the fun? Yeah, that's absolutely, <laughs> it is part of the fun. And some people, um, and you can find people who 
figure out more about themselves. People start off in drag and then they find out, oh, wait a minute, this is how I identify. And so you'll find a lot of, you know, drag performers then start identifying with the gender that they are performing in. Um, not everyone, of course. Um, but like, it's, it's interesting right. how much that kind of, it's freeing and liberating and people kind of discover something about themselves when they do interesting. it. I would, I would imagine. And again, first of all, I come at this from, first of all, I'm a very old white man. <laughs> so, um, um, through my students and through my friends, I learn about this. I would imagine that there's a certain, uh, a confidence that emerges from the performance, from performing in drag? Absolutely. <laughs> I and mean, you have to be comfortable well, to right, be able but to... But does that confidence uh, roll over into everyday life then? In some ways. I mean, especially since I started drag, I found a newfound confidence in how I carry myself. And Interesting. How I dress myself, how I identify with others, how I just kind of show myself off. Um... I grew up very religious, and so I had a lot of um, expectations of me being very femme, and kind of like that was pushed on me, and then, you know, I'm a lot more of a shy person. And even now, that hasn't really changed my shyness in, like, social, unknown social situations, right. but it has helped. Sure. Um, and it's also... I, I've done theater, like, my entire life, and what I realized is when I auditioned for men's roles... Um, Oftentimes, I feel very confident. Like I'm like, wow, this is it. even it's, though I know that I'm not going to be chosen for that role. I'm like, it, there's it, a certain confidence it that it gives feels me. Feels oddly right. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. You know, I would maybe oddly is not even the word for mm -hmm. it. Um, how did you get into it? Dare I ask? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sit back. Here we go. Do you want the funny story, or do you want the uh, the, the funny made up, exaggerated story, or the? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the or the boring truth of it all. Um, I'll start off with the somewhat exaggerated. Yeah, you know I want both. So there was this there was this guy I went to high school with, right? Um, he was one of the few gay kids that we had in class. Um, we hung, you know, uh, we hung out a little bit. He was kind of a jackass uh, because he was also Republican, um, and so uh, okay. we had a falling out because he was, of course, uh, a jackass, um, and. <laughs> What I knew was that he was always at uh, frequented uh, queer bars and all that, gay bars and all that stuff. And so what I decided to do was do drag so that I could be in those venues ruining his day. <laughs> is, is, this the, is this the made up story? <laughs> That's only slightly exaggerated. <laughs> no, um, only a little bit, of, a little bit of it is made up, but you know, there's, there's a little bit of that vengeance that I have, but the real, what really got me into it was, uh, my long time in theater, right? Okay. Um, I started doing theater when I was about four years old, um, and wow, uh, early. yeah, yeah, really early. Uh, my parents, like it was all, uh, uh, community theater in sure. small towns and stuff. But like my first ever play was Oklahoma. I was four years old. So I was just kind of like a background right. chorus okay. character. Uh, my dad played Judd Fry. That was the scariest shit, by the way. Oh, watching dad, watching play dad, Judd? watching dad play Judd Fry was wow. super scary. <laughs> I yeah, remember I, I was just like, I didn't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> did it throw you off? Yeah, yeah, it did. Because like I, I had to watch every night my dad like be aggressive and yeah. terrifying and die also on stage. Oh, oh. oh spoiler alert. Uh, if you ever watch Oklahoma and I don't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but then from there, I did a lot of like shows where I was playing children. Oftentimes when you're a child and especially if you're a girl, you will often play boys roles, you mm -hmm. know, because oftentimes they're trying to fill in spaces and you have a ton of girls who want to do theater and stuff Little like that. Little boys don't, you know, and there aren't yeah. as many boys in it. And so then you pull over some girls to be boys and sometimes that would happen to me and I'd be like, this is very interesting because I like playing the girls' roles, but I also really like playing the boys' roles. So and <laughs> because I didn't get the opportunity to play boys' roles often outside of like anything else besides theater, it, it was really nice. It, so, I was just like, ah, oh, I should So even that. that even at an early age, you were... Uh, yeah, I, I was you doing... You were feeling it. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling it. Um, and uh, I remember... Um, oh, gosh... I've done roles where I've always played a child, but like there were so many times where I've played a boy. A lot of my kind of desire to play these roles that I can't often play or mm -hmm. be taken seriously in those roles, I have kind of used my drag persona to play those roles. I really want to play these queer-coded mustache twirling villains <laughs> and you know and even though some of them are comedic oftentimes it would be hard for me to be taken seriously right in those roles right um and much more and with people who do this they they find that it this is a difficulty and you'll find it much more uh with a uh, uh uh, trans women trying to do traditionally women roles in theater, you mm -hmm. know, and oftentimes there's like, you know, uh, sure. The worry is that people won't take them seriously. Um, well, I think there's also too that just if you're doing live theater, television, film, mm -hmm. you are really limited by the yeah. way you look. Absolutely, and, and a lot of that is changing today. And it, I, it is, you know, I think that, but there's still like a long way to go, and but there's I, a lot of yeah. I think gender though is kind of on the not quite up there yet. Mm -hmm. And in terms so of change, a lot of my a lot of my drag persona is one of these things where I get to control what roles I get to play. Sure. And one of my desires is to be these villain characters, <laughs> to be these like cartoonishly, you know, devious. So is so is that where Spank Knightly comes from? Yes, Spank Knightly <laughs> is an amalgamation of all of the queer coded villains. Um, when I mean queer coded, like you know, if you look at a Disney villain and they, um, that comes from the idea that they they seem a little bit more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're obviously coded to be queer which means like they're trying to show off these villains as like you know somewhat like non-traditional masculinity and that's bad you know that um oh like uh, sort sort of 
femme's the wrong word, but sometimes you'll find that with a lot of like Disney. If you look at like Disney Renaissance villains, you'll find that a lot. Okay, like, well, the Renaissance villains. Uh, Disney Renaissance is uh, between 1989 with uh, oh Little Mermaid with on, Little Mermaid on yeah. to uh, then ending with Tarzan in 1999. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and they, they've done other villains kind of similar to that, but like queer coded villain is kind of where I pull the. Okay, for example, like like Gaston. Yeah. He's overly masculine. Yeah, he's overly masculine. Um, he he's kind of an interesting case in that queer codedness. But if you take a look at Scar, right? Scar sure. has a lot of like personality that is more like uh not traditional, like, kicking down doors and, you know, like, Gaston, you know, right. tough. He is sly. He is, you know, sneaky. He is, okay. you know, and, you know, the the idea that that is sort of queer-coded because they're trying to kind of subliminally tell children it's bad to be that way. <laughs> if you really if okay. you really think deep into it, um, that's kind of where the idea of queer coding. Now that has happened way before the nineties when right. you know. Cause I yeah, because I think the Snow White Queen Yeah, yeah, that's that's the way very, you're talking. Yeah. That's very evident in how that's like. But uh biggest example of queer coded villains would be uh Ursula, because Ursula is based on Divine. Who is a yeah, famous drag queen from the yeah, yeah, so, 60s, 70s, um, yeah. And whether they meant to do that or not, you know, it's always, oftentimes it's not intentional, but like kind of like somebody subconscious brought yes, it forward. <laughs> yeah, somebody subconscious brought it forward, and you know, then you have these villains who oftentimes a lot of queer people latch onto. Um, they like these villains because you know they show off a sort of fashionableness. They show a sort of like deviance that they can relate to <laughs> and oh, you know, without and, the evilness i mean no like but it, the, it makes sense because i've seen you know how many times do they turn you know you see the cosplayers glamorize mm -hmm. ursula and the, the evil queens and all this kind of stuff and it comes from like a you know when you're young and you're watching these they're trying to be like oh don't be like these people but like you Once feel you more, up. yeah, you feel more inclined to like pull towards those types because <laughs> you know you often feel villainized by right. society. Well, I think by the time we get older, we're like, oh, I probably would have done that too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Spank Knightley has a lot of those characteristics. I kind of like a lot of the way that I do my makeup and my eye bags and the way that my brows are. I kind of pull from that inspiration. Okay. Um. I also pull a lot from uh, 1930s uh, Fleischer cartoons, Max Fleischer. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. That, like, that rubber hose-ness yeah. kind of... Keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it's uh, the way... Uh, I, I pulled that because, actually, the story of how that's kind of inspired my drag is because I like to pick things that are creepy or were creepy to me as a child. And there was something always unsettling about the rubber hose kind of animation. And I specifically remember when I was eight years old, I was I would occasionally stay with my grandma. My parents uh, were in the Air Force, so oftentimes they would have to be on, like, uh, they'd have to go to drill. Mm -hmm. um, and so oftentimes I'd be babysit by my grandma. 
And in the room that I stayed in, there was a TV, and she had a Cartoon Network and Boomerang. Oh, um, all the good and stuff, so, yeah. And all the stuff that I, like, I really liked cartoons, <laughs> and I really liked the older cartoons. But I remember it was late at night, um, I fell asleep at some point, but I woke up at around 2 a.m. I am eight years old. I woke up at 2 a.m. I fell asleep with the TV on. When it's around like 1 to 2 a.m., they show the oldest oh. cartoons. We're talking 1934. We're talking Cinecolor. We're talking black and white cartoons. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I wake up and it is um, <laughs> those beautiful dames, uh, Mary Melody's cartoon from 1934 and i remember like waking up and i'm watching it it's in cinecolor so you see a lot of greens and reds okay. and oranges yeah and blues <laughs> and i'm just like this is trippy this is <laughs> i'm i'm sort of scared and also at the end of this specific cartoon and they did this for like a year um this is before they introduced porky pig to say that's all folks um, they would have various characters, um, but like for a year, they had a character who was a jester. Uh, say that's all, folks. But I oh, remember I, I, how, yeah, how scared I was of that character because it just threw me off. I remember seeing. I have seen this guy. He's like, yeah. ah, no! and it's just this. It's it is slightly yeah, and off. And so it was like from like 1934 to 19 or like. Late nineteen thirty four to nineteen thirty five. It wasn't very. It wasn't a very long run. Right. I've done a lot of research on this because I was like, "What the hell? What the <laughs> fuck scared me then?" <laughs> so yeah, and so I remember the exact cartoon and the exact year it was. Not when I saw it. Obviously, I wasn't born in nineteen thirty four. But right. I remember the uh, or was I the <laughs> part of you was. <laughs> um, but I like I remember the the year it was made, and I remember um, that specific time and so you so that's the part that scared you that kind of yeah that then kind of influenced a lot of like i want that surrealness in my drag i want that real like you are tired or maybe you smoked a couple bowls i don't know um (laughs) is that what you want out of your audience you is that what you want your audience to walk away with is that yeah that like this is unsettling (laughs) but you want more You know what I that's mean? Great. Like I think I think that that's something that that is enjoyable with a lot of people. I, think I, I a- well, especially with a live performance. If you put that kind of work into it, and you go, okay, that was one of the weirdest things in the world, but you yeah. appreciate the kind of the, the brain that power that it. goes into that. Yeah, that's great. And you know, of course, it's half trying to do things that audience will like, but the other most of it is me just wanting to do. Right. You know, like be, the audience be damned at some points. <laughs> does, does your does your form of drag go over well? Um, surprisingly, yes. And I only say surprisingly because oftentimes I look back at what I'm doing and I'm like, I don't know if anyone else will like it. I'm doing it because I like it. Right. But like, you know, it, it's awfully weird. And um, it's it's one of these things where bigger audiences, and I mean like more the bigger the audience is, it's harder to reach, but the smaller and more intimate the audience is, oftentimes they enjoy it a lot more. Okay, yeah. Oftentimes, like, the because I'm, I'm playing for the people who will get the tiny little things that I'm inserting here and there. Okay. You know, everyone else can enjoy it, but occasionally there'll be somebody who's like, what, what was it? I... 
<laughs> I remember that. That's that's in my brain somewhere. What is okay. when I see that? You know. So. It, it, you know, I'm playing on a little bit of playing with nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. A lot of. Oh, um, so a lot of my uh, persona, Spank Knightly persona, is I like to call him the ghost of nostalgia oh. in the worst possible ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, I, I like playing with people being able to be happy and remember these songs, but I also like to play a little bit with the dark side of nostalgia. That's that fascinating. No, really... Not everything that you remember is as good Right. As it was, some things that you remember are scary, or some things that you, the, the truth of what you remember yeah. is scary. The truth of what you remember is actually not as good. Um, a lot of the history of cartoons is very um, has has a lot of has a lot of troublesome past to sure. it. Yeah. Um, and I like to keep that in mind without like, like crossing too much of a boundary. I mean, like a lot of American. Uh, American entertainment is based on very racist oh, right, minstrel right. shows, and a lot of cartoons are based on that. So I, I'm very careful not to emulate that, um, because but, but, that, but you know, I, I, I but you're I, able to reference it in the right way. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Well, obviously, I don't. <laughs> it's really hard to explain in this because, like, I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to make light of the the bad past of these old cartoons at the same time like i kind of want to let people know that the, the, these cartoons had a lot of like troublesome things right. there was a lot of violence there was mm -hmm. that you know wouldn't uh rightfully so wouldn't fly by today a lot of you know racism a lot of like just absolute bad treatment of women sure you know yeah 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 um and we can still see a lot of that stuff today um it's just I, I really don't know where I was going with this. No, point, that's okay. But, but, like but a I lot think, of the, I think you, you no, you, I think you very definitely gave me a sense of where the where Spank Knightley is yeah. in terms of character and where I, I do want to let be the audience be like, hey, just so you know, you know, the past isn't always as great as we remember. Right. You know that kind of. Um, you're trying to be as nostalgic as possible while but wallowing the, in that. While, yeah, wallowing in that. Yeah, yeah you, you know exactly what. I'm yeah, yeah, I get it. No, that's that's, and I, I first of all, I think it's, it's kind of it's kind of also kind of drawing in the the MC from Cabaret. That makes sense. Kind of attitude about it, like mm -hmm. the ah, uh, you know, this is all you know on stage, all right. this great stuff, trying to distract you, but in between, you're getting glimpses of what's going on. Right. You know, it in sounds. The real world. Yeah, it sounds very. I was watching something with some Game of Thrones things, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they are brutally sexist and you know mm -hmm. careless with life, and it's just it's entertaining, but it's really freaking uncomfortable. Oh yeah. But and I'm I'm, I'm sure that's I'm not trying to compare that what oh, you're no, saying, no, but, no, no, but I, it's that I, I, feeling yeah. of oh yeah, oh yeah, not not <laughs> not sitting right, yeah. yeah. Um. I would like to ask you about your makeup for Spank because oh, yes. I've seen. First of all, Spank doesn't have one look, or does he? He does not. Um, I've seen multiple. I have different versions of kind of like when I'm working because I only have one face, um, <laughs> obviously to right. work with, one canvas to work with. Okay. But um, I mean, I don't. 
typically always do the same face. Um, but I kind of use very... I kind of use the same lines over and over, like how to shape my face to mm -hmm. make it look recognizably Spank Knightly. Um, I like to add eye bags often. Um, let's see. Uh, my brows, I try to make them a very high arch. I, I glue down my brows with um, Elmer's glue Just stick. Just the sticks? Yeah, yeah glue stick, because it's water act uh, not water act it's water-soluble. Um, and so... It won't one good shower yeah. is gone. Yeah, yeah, and but like it, it lays my natural brows down so I don't have to shave them off all the time. Um, and uh, does Spank always have a mustache? Not always. Um, I, sometimes I, I put on a mustache because early in my uh, drag career, a lot of people wouldn't call me a drag king. They would think that I was, you know, I and so I was worried about looking too f traditionally feminine. Right. So oftentimes I would add a mustache or a beard. Um, and especially er earlier on, I would add a beard because I was worried people would think that I am not portraying a man for some reason. Right. It's a very complicated issue that a lot of drag kings run into is the idea that for some reason no one calls them uh, drag kings. Um, <laughs> more on that later. <laughs> but uh, I, I would put a mustache on just so that people would kind of see the the masculinity right. that I'm I'm trying to put on trying to put on a mustache and also because I really like the thin ones I like the the Clark Gable kind of you know right above the pencil thin mustache kind of yeah. thing yeah sometimes I like to do the curly ones sometimes I like to do um but I, but oftentimes I really like the mustache the nice clean mustache yeah. but your makeup style is also so different than I mean it's so I mean it's almost impressionistic painting. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean it. Uh, impressionistic, maybe not the right word, but it's got elements of Picasso. It's got elements of Liechtenstein. It's got elements of um, uh, like old uh, German expressionism. You know, there's yeah. There, it's an amazing look. Thank you. And I love it. And I love it. And I want to know where you, because, you know, a lot of what we, what we laymen know as drag kings or drag queens, it's stage makeup to make you look like the other gender. Yeah. Whereas yours is very, I mean, now that you've talked about the cartoons, I see where part of it comes from. Well, there was a, there's a drag, there's a drag queen, uh, Violet Trotsky, who said something during an interview, which I think she got from her drag mom, which was, my, my intention is not to look like a, uh, a man. My intention is to look like a cartoon of a man, which is where my exaggeration comes in, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense, especially considering everything we've talked about so far. Yeah, yeah. Your so interpretation that, of you what... You know, and there are a lot of kings and a lot of queens who like to do more, illu like, realistic illusion, mm -hmm. right? And that's perfectly, you know, that's perfectly fine, and that's a really that's a really big that's talent. That's a skill, a lot. yeah. That's a, that's a skill. Mine, however, I rely more on being able to not look like a realistic man as much as I look like an exaggerated, exaggerated persona of right. a man. And that makes sense with the way you talked about people picking and choosing what they want to represent. Mm-hmm. 
And mine is simply, I want to represent a cartoon, an older cartoon. I want to represent an illustration. You know, I want oh, to be... Oh, that word know. alone tells me everything about that makeup design of yours, mm -hmm. which I think is, again, I will, I will, I will gush on that. It's beautiful <laughs> stuff. Because um, you and I had a discussion. I was, I had seen some of your photographs and I had remarked on how elements of it look like some of the old... Sid Marty Croft, H.R. Puffin stuff, like you said, the eye bags. Mm -hmm. It's like I got, it reminded me that Puffin stuff wears the eye bag. But then I look at your makeup, and it's that kind of bright, colorful, almost. I won't say it's too much, but it's that. Wow, there's a lot going on mm -hmm. in that in that space, you know. And with um, things like Instagram and TikTok and all those things, it's a lot easier to make like more artistic faces with just pictures mm -hmm. because oftentimes when I'm doing like a live performance, I'll, I want to do like an artistic face, but not everyone is going to catch those small details. Right. I still like to put in small details every once in a while if I get up close to somebody and they can, you know, take a look and take a picture with me or whatever. But um, oftentimes... Um, I will leave a lot of those small details out during live performances. Really? Mainly because it's just, it's time consuming. Oh, and okay. if I, <laughs> like, I don't want to spend three hours on my face just so that only two people maybe can see them sure. from the stage, you know, and especially with uh, COVID and all that, I try to keep my space more mm -hmm. between uh, audience members um so like you know they're not going to catch everything and so i need to make them a lot more bold um but yeah that's but yeah that's um now you had mentioned somebody's stage mom is that uh do you have muses do you have heroes do you have so like the idea of like inspirations drag parents and drag families um goes way back it actually goes um i'm not sure when it started per se but i think it was very much popularized and kind of grew in the new york uh ball scene like um it's kind of hard to explain what I mean by that. Um, if any, uh, if you've seen a documentary like Paris is Burning. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the, the New York uh, ballroom scene mm -hmm. uh, had these families and some people who did drag, you know, they, they had drag families and um, these are people who would support you, um, who kind of treat you as a family. And in many ways, um, you had all these people who, especially back in the 80s, people who were kicked out of their homes right. at a young age, people who, you know, are left homeless, you know, nowhere to go. And you have this collection of people coming together to take care of each other. Right. And so that's kind of where it... And then from there, you know, people have... And in some ways, a lot of drag families are a little bit more loose in their definition of, you know, what me what makes a drag family. You know, some of them are prepping their uh, drag son <laughs> or drag daughter to be like the next big thing. You know, some people are <laughs> more like close knit and helping, supporting Just... <laughs> each other and, you know, being family. Um, I do not have a drag parent of any kind. I had to kind of... I kind of had to steer on my own for a bit. I was going to say, you seem to be forging your own way. Um, but 
to say that I have been on my own the entire time wouldn't be true because later on I was able to create a sort of small drag family. Um, I have a sister, Karma Carrington, um, in town locally. Um, she is my drag sister and we support each other and we've been very supportive of each other and our, we, we have we have two different stylings of drag but we we're very you know close knit and we try to help each other right. and this you know. this isn't just about the drag this is just yeah, about this you being is about like you, you know, being human beings and yeah and so you know that's that's typically what i mean by like drag so i have a drag sister nice um, very nice and but as far as like my inspirations as far as drag is concerned uh you know i there are so many really good drag kings um landon cider is the uh <laughs> He is the Dragula <laughs> season three winner. Oh, um, uh, okay. He he won the. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dragula at all. Not as much as some of the so others. So essentially, but I do love it. the d- d- crash course on it. Uh, Dragula is basically RuPaul's Drag Race, but Fear Factor. Put okay, in. right. Um, and it's <laughs> oh, for man. more alternative drag, and unlike Drag Race, they allow um, uh cis women performers they allow trans women and trans men performers they okay. allow they they allow anyone to compete because drag is you know a spectrum and right. rupaul's drag race mainly um mainly wants cis men okay and then dressing up as drag queens they specifically uh target for drag queens and you know and right. it, it's one of these so uh land insider won was the first drag king to win Dragula um, in their third season. And he is just so, so talented the way that he presents himself. Um, I would say that he has really inspired me to be able to like improve my drag. Good. Um, Yeah. Interesting. There are so many people out there. uh, Somebody that really inspires me to like do really, really good, colorful looks is a drag king in um uh north carolina uh his name is Percus sex <laughs> i love the name <laughs> and um he he's really good with being able to make his face very colorful um and uh bright and animated mm-hmm. and um there's another king who inspires me but i tend to get mistaken for him and i think sometimes he gets mistaken for me his name is jarvis hammer um and uh we have we have different drag faces but at the same time they're similar enough that sometimes people like mistake us for one another jarvis hammer jarvis hammer i think he is in the atlanta area okay yeah um and those are a couple of people that really kind of inspire my drag from the drag aspect of it okay have you seen a have you seen a I mean, I, again, me as a as a old white man with you know very um, conservative upbringing, have you seen a, an increase or decrease in the acceptance or the participation in drag over um, your very young life? You know what? A lot more people are being are a lot more people are getting into drag. Mm-hmm. And starting drag, and that's 
really great. And things like Dracula and RuPaul's Drag Race have really kind of put it in the forefront. Um, the double-edged sword to that, well, is that the right word? I don't know, the caveat? Yeah, caveat uh, to that is that audiences are a little more judgmental because they go to these drag shows thinking that they're going to see what they see on TV. Okay. And the thing about these drag shows and a lot of these local drag shows is that it's not going to be what you saw on TV. That's a big budget. That's big, you know? Right. And um, so a lot of audiences and a lot of... um, So audiences tend to have higher expectations now because of these shows. And so the stress on performers to be able to meet those expectations is really high um, yeah. um, because they're they're trying their, they they want to be able to you know show that they are a good performer right. and all this stuff but you know all these audiences you know who some of them don't even do drag you know are right. very judgmental um now what's great about like the that that's a downside but another great thing about you know drag being more in the mainstream shows and stuff like that is that we're we're getting a lot more stuff and gigs that are not necessarily in bars you know a lot of people are doing stuff kid friendly events you know people are be, being able to um do drag queen story hour you know um yes cuz i've read that or i've read a couple articles like yeah, that and it's you know because there there's not not everything, not every drag performer is inherently sexual in their persona, right? Right. Um, and drag isn't inherently sexual. Um, with my name Spank Knightley, unfortunately, I am, but like that's. <laughs> but that, but I think that's an interesting point. Is that that it's gender and it has nothing. Gender does not equal sexuality. Yeah, and um. I it's something kind of wonderful to show to kids because um you know a lot of people are like why are they doing this? this is a very adult thing and the only reason it's been an adult like um art and industry is because like big theaters won't take you as a drag you know for many mm-hmm. years you know we had to perform in underground bars we right. had to you know that it was relegated to adult only spaces you know, it right. didn't have to be that way, though. But that's changing, you see. But yeah, that's that's changing, and I think that is something that's very wonderful. I do too, and um, I, and the and the more I hear you talk about it, the more I love the idea that it can be so mm-hmm. personal. You know, it's because uh, drag isn't vaudeville; it isn't burlesque. Mm-hmm. It can be. It can but. be, but. It seems to have emerged as its own thing, but it's only but it's based around the idea of people needing to express themselves and not just entertain, but to be honest with themselves, absolutely. or at least some, you know, somehow. And am I saying I, that right? No, no, you are absolutely correct, and I think that's important for younger people to see. Yeah. Um, and even participate in. I think there's nothing wrong with children being able to do drag. Um. I'm going to side note that there um, because the problem with that is there are still a lot of places that are mainly bars to perform at. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is hard for underage performers 
to be able to perform in a place that isn't adult oriented right. and not get in trouble and not put themselves in danger, mm-hmm. you know. Um and but like I think I think it's an art form that anyone can do. Anyone regardless of your sexuality, anyone regardless of age should can be able to do it. Yeah. Like and I think <laughs> I, I tell everyone, uh, try it at least once. You know, <laughs> if you don't like it, that's fine. You know, then it's not your... But, like, try, try it once. Uh, I always say try it on Halloween because no one can judge you. Right. Um, and and you can feel g- very comfortable in that and right. then be like, you know, okay. You I know, to try to, you know, figure it out. Um, yeah, that's a great... You know, it, it may not be for everyone, and that's okay. But, that's, but you know, you, know like, you gotta you gotta try it to be able. That's like to everything in life. Try it at least once. Yeah. Just to get the feel for it. Yeah, that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Okay, Harry. Uh, this is always one I like to ask. A question I like to ask. Yeah. Is there any other art form that you would not like to try? Any art form, or that I you would, would not like to participate in? Not like to participate in. Ugh. Well, I got to tell you, theater's terrible. <laughs> you it's lie. for the lowest of the low. <laughs> I my... would never participate in I've never been in a play or a musical. You lie like grandma's hooked rug. Mm. No, but I'm not sure if there's like one that I would not participate in. Um... But I can't think of, like, I can't think of one that I wouldn't participate in, but I'm sure if... Or at least you, try. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure if you would, like, to go down a list, I'm sure there's something, like... <laughs> yeah. I, but I, I could not, for the life of me, think okay. of what I wouldn't do. Right. Um, I like to dabble in everything. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, is there another art form that you haven't tried that you would like to or planning mm. on? Let's see... There is, but I can't like specify. Like, I really, I really want to get into animation, like specifically hand drawn really? animation. Yeah, because I love animation so much. Um, but it's such a tedious art form. <laughs> um, and I've done it once for a basic uh, a class in high school for a basic design thing. It was just a flip book, right? Right. Um, but I would like to try getting into that, but I don't know. It's, it's so tedious and I mean, I watch all these documentaries. I, I, I have a big hyper focus and a special interest in that sort of thing, but I don't know if I could do it. Right. right? Like apply it. Cause you, your work seems to lean toward character design. Yeah. At least and, from my perspective at this point. And that's kind of like, I, I found the happy medium with drag, like being able to, like, I use my face for the animation right. and then just draw the lines and then move <laughs> them like that. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the compromise that I found with that. But um, right. there, that's one that I would like to try, maybe, um, moving things and being able to. Have like, you ever tried like stop motion with a camera kind of thing? I have not. I should. Um, I'm actually, I was thinking, I'm, I'm working on a dollhouse right now, um, a Spank Knightley dollhouse. Like, I, I have oh, this Victorian yeah. Beacon Hill um, 
house that I really want to finish up and I, I want to make it very, um, very pretty and unusual. Um, it's Victorian, but a lot of the stuff that you'll find in it is like a mix of Victorian and some art deco, like, you know, some, like it's, it's stuff has been handed down and all that stuff. That's Neat. the kind of yeah. house that I'm working on. Um, it's going to take quite a while. Um, but like, I hope that once I get it done, I can do a lot more like pictures and dolls and maybe some stop motion. Oh, fun. Yeah. That sounds like great fun. Yeah. Now, okay, last question mm -hmm. is where can we find, where can we see some of your work or find some of your work? Yes, um, a lot of my work is going to be on Instagram. You can follow me at spank underscore nightly. That's nightly with a K and just a Y, not E-Y. Um, and under the same name, you can follow me on TikTok. I have quite a few TikToks. I haven't posted in a little bit, but that may change here soon. Um... Yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. And, and you got a gig tonight, don't you? Yes, I do. I have a competition tonight. Uh, oh. I am at uh, Charlie's uh, in Chicago uh, for Survivor Season 9. Um, I hope to do very well. <laughs> um, and you can, uh, I, I know this is going to like way after, you know, yeah, but that's like, it's every Thursday, March to April. Um, and I hope I get... I hope I go pretty far. Yeah. I'm rooting for you. I think you're Thank a genius. You. Thank you. I really do. Thank you for coming by. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming by and spending your time and telling me everything about it. Thank you so much. Oh, my I was, pleasure. I'm so happy that I got to be here. Yeah, thank you. We'll talk to you later.